0: Another episode of the Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Clay Maynard. What up, what up, Clay? Josh, we just got
1: (laughs) we just got out of a great Sunday morning service. I just got my Sunday duds off. You're still in your Sunday duds.
0: Yes, because I'm spiritual and And I call it duds
1: because I'm trying to sound like I'm 50 plus years old.
0: Well, you may sound <laughs> 50 plus years old, but I look 50 plus that's, years old.
1: That's <laughs> right. What I'm wearing now, actually, I would be a pretty hip worship pastor if I wore this.
0: Um, Maybe. Cargo shorts, is that right? <laughs> yeah, you're out. Sorry, not hip. Skinny jeans all the way, dude.
1: Yeah, I, I have not been able to get into the skinny jean thing, Josh. I'm just Then you probably a-
0: need to get a bigger size. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Clay, Tell me three things you love and three things you hate. <sighs> three things I love. Number one. A nap.
1: Two. Coffee always. And three. You know, I was going to say books, but everybody already knows that about me. So I'm going to say something different. I'm going to say a a night with friends. Josh, you know this about me. I am all about social activity with my peeps. Hanging out. Okay. Three things. Usually, Usually includes coffee as well. But That is true. Three things I hate. Man, hate is such a strong word.
0: Hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you if you know what that's from send us a dm
1: <laughs> <laughs> three things i hate <laughs> i hate being late places drives me nuts i hate
0: <laughs> just do it
1: hate is such a strong word no man i hate chaos if something feels chaotic
0: yeah. i am out That's so fair. either
1: i'm taking over and i'm going to be in charge now or i'm leaving yeah i don't do chaos and the third thing I hate is when people um talk about my kids and then refer to their similar experiences because they have a dog.
0: <laughs> we're not going down that road today. No, sir. Yeah. Not my, kids, happening. my kids aren't like your dogs. Sorry. Peace oh, out. Boy. Drop the mic. Yeah, we're we're gonna move on from that one right there. Before things get really crazy. What about you, Josh? Three things you love. I love, I should do three things that people don't I, these know These can't about be me. like, I, I was trying to be
1: unique too, because it's really easy to get all like Twitter bio on yeah. people here and be like, I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love, you know, Yeah, we're trying to get a little beyond that.
0: Yeah. So I love pancakes. I love Ooh. pancakes. And yes, I love pancakes. <laughs> um, I love good music. I really do. I really love good music. Mm-hmm. And I love, this is so cheesy and nerdy, but I'll say it. I love Inbox Zero. Oh, man, there's just something great about Inbox Zero every day.
1: Inbox Zero?
0: Do you know what that is? I have no idea what that is. Okay, that's because you've not reached the same levels of productivity I have, clearly. <laughs> inbox Zero is getting your inbox to nothing. It's all empty. Oh, There is such satisfaction and joy (laughs) and love that
1: comes from that. I agree with you, but I lost control of my inbox. It got out of hand. For years, I never, I I kept my inbox empty. And then for a small period of time, I was getting way too many emails and I let it get out of hand. And now it is disastrous.
0: I have one inbox. I
1: literally want to just cancel the account and start a new one. I literally
0: did that with an account only because I got tired of having to maintain it. Because I never checked it for anything. I never gave it to anybody. But the, the one inbox I have, I do still have emails in it, but it's stuff for my master's, so I can't get rid of those emails just yet. I,
1: I thought, when you said inbox zero, I thought that was a program. You're it just, might be. You're just saying it should be. That'd be awesome. But you're saying you just like it when it says oh, zero yeah. on your inbox.
0: I love that so much. Yeah, mine does not say that. Yeah, don't show me. It's thousands. Nope, we're done talking about this. <laughs> Three things you hate, Josh. I hate cats. Hmm. I hate cauliflower I hate traffic I really do traffic is the worst now I do have this weird relationship with traffic because I like being in Atlanta traffic and just like weaving in and out mm-hmm. but around here it's just like people go back to your homes please quit coming to visit us here <laughs> I, I hate traffic but I mean I yeah I guess that'll work I, I, I can't stay in traffic so that's what yeah. I that's what I got.
1: Lydia would agree with you on that. Lydia's got my wife has got some serious road rage. She does not like traffic.
0: I just can't see that at all. Yeah, it's it <laughs> it's a crazy side of her it comes out when she's driving. Well, everybody, today we want to talk a little bit on a topic we actually received a couple times now a couple different questions from people about the topic of bivocational ministry. Yeah, Josh, that was
1: that might have been one of the first questions we ever got when we started the podcast. Like, hey, could you guys talk about bivocational we, we got ministry? It, we
0: got it we got it then, and we got it when we asked for QA questions yep. in season one. So yeah, we're gonna kind of try and go through it. It's we have a unique dynamic here because you're bivocational and I'm full time. Yes. So we can kind of speak to both aspects of that. Absolutely. Clay, what exactly how would you define bivocational ministry? To me,
1: bivocational means you you are on the staff of a church or a nonprofit ministry who's, you know, co- you know, conceivably under the ministry of a church, and you also work in the secular, non-religious, non-ministerial work- workforce.
0: Would you say that someone who is an unpaid lay elder is in bivocational ministry? I think it is if
1: they have consistent week to week responsibilities that require time co- since, you know, serious time commencements. Well, yes. I would the, say I mean, yes. if they're an
0: elder, they would obviously have some. Yes. They require their shepherds. So,
1: yeah, I don't think you have to necessarily you're saying if they're not paid, but mm-hmm. they're still on the staff. I think that's possibly true. I like, for example, I've been I've been on paid staff here at fellowship for about to be a year, but I was doing this job for several years before that. Mm hmm. So I, nothing, in nothing, uh, there are things that changed when I came on paid because there were some additional things the church wanted me to do, but there's nothing really about my mentality that shifted. It just took it up maybe another notch to another gear, but it was the same general, you know, my mentality and approach to the worship ministry here didn't really change a ton. So it, it was just more of this. It was just doing more of this, of what I've been doing, mm-hmm. getting even more involved. So Yeah, I agree with you. I think you can be bivocational without necessarily being a paid staff member. You could be just that engaged and that committed in the ministry.
0: Yeah. Now, to be full-time in the ministry is to be paid by the church as your full-time job to not for the church full-time and and not work anywhere else. Yeah, no outside employment.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, Josh, I've looked at numbers not super recently, but I have looked at numbers that say that nearly half or more, depending on how much you trust the numbers, of ministry people are bivocational.
0: That's not surprising.
1: A, a very high percentage of people are bivocational. They're both employed by a church or by their ministry and have to, you know, have to or choose to seek outside employment yeah. in, to supplement.
0: I think some of that too is the fact that when you look at the landscape of churches in America, most churches are not what you would classify as even a medium sized church. Right. So most churches most are, churches small, churches are churches. small churches.
1: Under a hundred people is yeah. the
0: average church. Now some churches like ours were able to support, you know, multiple people. Uh, but not all churches are blessed to be able to do that. They may have some d- very difficult finances that they're dealing with. Yep. Um, Clay, let's talk about this. What would you say some of the the big cons of being bivocational are? At least for you. For me, it's time. to Because I work full-time. And now
1: I know there's a lot of variation here. So some people out there are working part-time outside of church, part-time inside the church. I, um, I'm fortunate to have a good job. But it is full-time. So my part-time work for the church is on top of full-time work in the finance industry. I'm a bank manager. And so that's the time commitment for my full-time work. Makes it quite a squeeze. So when I do work for the church and that, that work can vary a little bit, but it's at least eight to 10 hours a week on a, on a low week, it can sometimes be higher than that. And if you factor in the t- the class I teach and things like that, it could be, it can be 15 or 20 hours in a week, depending on the workload, you know, you get around Easter, something like that. Yeah. It gets more intense. Um, but the biggest challenge for me is, is no question the amount of time I'm able to do it. Partially because too, you know this, Josh, you want everything you to do, you do, you want it done with excellence. Yep. And so you even face those time constraints where it's like, man, if I had more time, this is, I know what I would do. If I had more time, this is what I would do. So we have to look for volunteers and we have to look for lay leaders, people mm-hmm. in the church who are willing to step up and lead. When you're, when you're part-time, I feel like it even constricts that even more so that the, what I would like to see in our music, you know, is that's great. And then we're still shooting for that goal, but to me the difficult part is balancing my home life with how much time outside of my primary job am I going to give to the church so that the church can achieve you know what it wants to do so that we can keep growing in our music program but without robbing the rest the entire rest of my life
0: yeah. you know so
1: that that time balance has got to be
0: easily number 1 for me you got any other cons that you could think of
1: no i can't really think of other cons outside of the fact that if i could just say it this way my heart is in ministry. So I am, I am gifted in a way that my work at the bank is a good fit for my skill set, And there are things about it I truly do enjoy. I really do have, there are parts of it I, I can get into, you know, I like, I can really enjoy doing it. And not everybody has that. Not Mm. everybody has jobs that they think is a good job for them. Right. So I'm, I'm blessed. I'm no, no question about that. But I would say one of the cons is Um, if, if this is, if this describes you out there and you're listening is when you, when you're, when your heart is, man, a dream scenario would be where I could be fully full time in the ministry, Mm -hmm. but you, you have to keep this outside job. So I think that is, uh, can be seen as a con if you're, if that's something you desire to be full time ministry.
0: Yeah. I think being full time in the ministry, a, a big con of that is, um, limited exposure to people that are not. Uh, that are unsaved, that are not Christian people, because yes. you find yourself, and I, I think even of my personal situation, I live live fifty eight seconds away from the church. Mm-hmm. I don't really get out very often. I get out on Thursday mornings to go to coffee shops, but because we only have one car, it's not really feasible for us. So I'm not really finding myself at all the time in interaction, close interaction if I can say it that way with people who are unsaved, that can be one of the major cons. And
1: that's a huge of being pro. That's a huge pro of vocational ministry. You're both in the yeah. ministry and you're seeing a lot of exposure out in the workforce, which
0: you still also, there's like, that's a delicate balance too, though. I'm sure because though you may be interacting with unsaved people, you also have to make sure you're, honoring your time at your workplace and all that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah. You want to, there's certainly when they know you're a worship pastor or when they know you're in ministry and my, my coworkers know that I'm a worship pastor, that is certainly you, you go tell them at work. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm on the pastoral staff at fellowship Baptist church. You want to talk about putting a microscope on yourself. You do have to be very careful how you balance. You don't want them to ever get the perception that you're stealing from the work there to give yeah. to your church. Cause that's a bad testimony, but you also don't want to do the reverse either. And you don't want to, I can't just be like, ah, the church doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's not a good testimony to them either. They, they need to see that that church is a priority for me. I know that in my case I've turned down um, extra work at times because I'll tell you know, I've gotten offered extra weekend hours to do extra things. And I've told them, Hey, I have, we have our, I'm speaking at our men's prayer breakfast or something like that. Hey, I've already got something planned. It was optional things, but to where the point where they, I want them to see, that the church ministry is a priority for me. right? Um, and it gives credibility, I think, if you do that when you do invite them, when you do talk to them about the gospel, you have some credibility. But but man, it, you want to talk about putting a, a microscope on your ethics at work mm-hmm. and your the way you carry yourself. And this should be true for all Christians, not just uh, ministry leaders. But I think especially for ministry leaders. You're right. going to go out there and say, I'm a pastor. You know, realize the burden that should come with. Because we, Josh, you know, we live in a culture where there's nothing, if we, we have not, we have no shortage of scandals sure. with ministry people. So the last thing I want to do is be another peg, uh, another person they know who was a hypocrite. I want to be somebody who, 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 when they hear those stories, they're going to be like, yeah, that's not the guy I knew. The guy mm-hmm. I knew wasn't like that. Right. Um, but I agree with you, the, the pro con of con being a full-time ministry, it's really difficult. You have to be a lot more intentional mm-hmm. than other people do than, than the average church member does of Rubbing shoulders with, with the lost, there's probably even in some cases people, who, who just spend a lot of their time at the church, and so even if they're not on staff, they they find themselves never really interacting with lost people. They've surrounded their entire life, or maybe you own your own business, so you're a Christian, you own the business, you've hired a couple of friends who are Christians. You have to be intentional about interacting with with the lost. Um, One of the big um, things that I took away from Jared Wilson's book uh, on the gospel-centered ministry, was he talks in there about a third place. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. He talks about having a third place. So maybe he's like, so you have the church and you have home, but where is your third place where you're gonna be seen regularly? Is it gonna be your kid's t-ball or whatever, so you're gonna meet those other parents? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna be at the gym? Is it gonna be you know at some coffee shop that you frequent? Have some place where you can learn people's names; they can know yours, and you can be known and know, so that you can give the gospel. But it does take a lot more intention, Yeah. especially in your case. You, like you said, you live like you right don't there; even have, you don't have to drive to the church; you walk across. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. And I've been working on that, the third place type thing, with the opening of that coffee shop here, the new one here in town. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the Thursday regular, like they know I'm coming, kind of thing. And so I'm trying to develop that because, outside of that, it can be difficult. Um, what do you, what are, would be some other pros you would say of being bivocational in the ministry?
1: Um, I think it gives, it gives, it maybe it gives the opportunity for you to benefit from outside experience. So your ministry experience is very unique, but there's a lot of other fields that give you insight into mm. leading a church well. So being a manager at a bank, for example, it really helps me when I come in and, and I'm sitting in on a meeting where we're looking at budgets it really comes in handy when i'm reviewing the church's loans it really comes in you know there's there's a lot of places in church ministry where having that outside experience helps so i think by vocational ministry can help that way i mean think about it if you had a job in tech you could bring that to the church and yeah. do a, and it would really benefit your church yeah um so there's a lot of experiences that you can get in the workforce that can benefit your service to the church so yeah. i think that could be considered a pro
0: i think another i and i'm sorry to go back to cons here with full time ministry but one another con of f- full time ministry is that you, you can if you're not careful and you're not intentional with how you uh budget your time like and and how you work you can lose touch with what it's like to put in you know 40 hours a week things like that mm-hmm. and sometimes ministry has has some flex time you know there's times when you'll go out to lunch with somebody or you'll go to the golf course with somebody or something like that That obviously you can't do in any, really any other vocation, but I think it's important as ministry leaders, especially full-time ministry leaders, to be sure you're getting your hours in to put in the work so that you can still in a way, although you may not be able to fully relate to those who are in and out, clogging in and out every day, putting in the hours, um, you know, and not losing touch of that struggle that they're facing
1: yeah i I can agree with that i think there's there's a uh I man i've I've been in churches where I felt that that was true where it felt like the pastor had completely lost like like if you couldn't be at every single ministry um involvement that it said something about your spirituality when really it's like hey man, if I'm working fifty hours a week at my job just to hold just to pay my bills and I'm doing every little thing the church does. I actually have no time for my family or for or for rest or yeah. for um, vacation or for like, like, so there was that since you're talking and about And to be where, fair,
0: there's people who just don't prioritize. We see that for sure. Absolutely. That's but the other in ditch. C- yeah. And in, in certain situations, there should be, not in certain, in all situations, especially from those of us who are in full-time ministry, there should be- and extending of grace to people who can't make it to things. Because yeah. there has to be an understanding. Yeah, like, I don't know how else to say it, but their life is not like yours in that it doesn't revolve around the church 24-7. So you have to understand that. The church as in, not the people, but the, the, the ministries? collected ministries of the church. Yeah, and the ministries, the ministries
1: of the church for a pastor are your job. And for, yeah. for, and for the layperson, it's on top of their job. Yeah. It's something they have to do on top of. And so um we'll get to the to the reverse of this here in a few minutes because I think there's I think there's some unique challenges from full-time ministry people too that that normal people may or may not face. But I think the key I think maybe a good thing to talk about here is what are some what are some good things to uh set you up well for for success in bivocational ministry. Like you you have to work outside the church, but you also work for the church. And I think I think schedule intentionality is paramount. It's something that I still struggle with. I would not sit here behind this mic and pretend like I've got this figured out. And if you just buy my planner Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever, but uh, I have bought a lot of calendars and planners because, and I use the digital ones that are available to me as well, because if I'm not intentional, a week can go by and I feel like I didn't talk to my wife. A week can go by and I feel like I didn't see my kids. So. Uh, for example, very recently, the kids had multiple activities at their school in a week in the evening, you know, it's graduation season, right? So there was a lot of stuff. There's final tests going on. There's all this, there's productions happening. There's graduation ceremonies happening. And so really quickly you have, I have to start shifting things around in my schedule and looking at it so that a week or two doesn't go by. And I have literally not stopped one day, you know? And so Especially, Josh, I I know that your the schedule is such an important piece because, like, for example, if you want time off at work outside of the church, they want you to take that time off on the weekends.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
1: hey, yeah. if you could if you could bend it around a couple week, you know, a couple weekend days, that way you're not gone as much, right? You take time off in the church. They're like, hey, if you could take that during the week, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> it's like th- those two forces want exact opposites, and so uh, having a healthy approach to your schedule, taking the time that you need to get rest, but but just si- realizing you've signed up for something that's a little that's got its difficulties. Yeah. You've signed up for something and accepting that. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get to a place where you're like, oh, nobody gets me, nobody understands. No, pe- there are a lot of people who do understand. There's a lot of people who get it. And that challenge is something that you're probably not going to like land in one spot and be like, ah, I've got to figure it out. Because as soon as you do, your kids are get older and they'll have more needs, or your expectations will change, or the church will change and they'll need something different from you. Like yeah. it's a constant balance, figuring out how to do it well. So to me, I think the number, number, the number one priority for a bivocational person has got to be schedule intentionality. You want to honor God with your time. You don't want to forget about your wife. You don't want to forget about kids. You don't want to forget about the people in your church. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you, Josh, something that really impacts me? Uh, just recently, this was brought to my attention. It's me. I know.
0: Good. <laughs> I know. It's me. <laughs> something, that was,
1: <laughs> something that was just recently brought to my attention is how, how easy it is because my work at the church is so limited, I have a certain number of hours I can give to the church. When I'm here on Sunday, it's very easy for me to get tunnel vision and to not see anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm serving, I'm teaching a class, I'm leading the music, there's choirs, there's specials, there's tech, there's, everything's going on. And I have not shaken anybody's hand. I've not, I've not checked on them. I've not noticed people who need attention or need
0: help. Yeah. What would you say, Josh? you have anything to add to that? I would say there is some bleed over too as far as scheduling goes for full-time ministry because where yes. you're saying for Bivo guys, you've got to make sure you're intentional uh, and not in a way overextend yourself. If I understood you correctly, I know that's yes. kind of one of those things. Yes. With being full-time, you have to make sure you're intentional with your schedule and you don't uh squander your time.
1: Yes. I agree with that. And and I've noticed with you and Tyler getting to watch you guys, I've not ever been full-time ministry the way you guys are right now in in church leadership. And I've noticed so often how you guys have to It's not that you say no to things that ask for your attention. You just you just have to be like we're going to do this then. Yeah. We're going to do this here. We're going to do this like you have to be intentional with how you do it because if you're not careful Stuff the things that are asking for your time can just eat up your whole days,
0: yeah, and you and then you also have the potential where like, okay, so let's let's take you at the bank, you go to work and you're just not feeling it one day, well, that sucks. you still have to do your job, mm-hmm. and there are there are a lot of people that can see if you don't, you know what I'm saying, yes, when you come into the church office, especially as a full time person in a in a smaller church. Um, if you're just not feeling it, it's a lot easier to just be like, I'm not feeling it. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it my best today. I mean, I'm just being very honest with you. Yeah. That there's days when you're just like, I'm not feeling it. So oh, there's well, a little that's a less bummer. immediate accountability, yeah, especially yeah. in a small church. Yeah. Where and there's not this
1: huge staff. you and, know, and,
0: you know, for those of our church members that are listening, me and Tyler aren't sitting in here squandering our time, you know. No, it's one of the things it's, <laughs> jacking around all day. <laughs> no, it's one of the things I respect <laughs> about you guys. It's
1: one of the reasons why I'm glad to be a part of this team because I come in here during the week. I work not very far away from the the church, so I come here often on my lunches to work on music or to to meet with Josh and Tyler and and go over things. And I come in here and there it seems to me you guys are very intentional. You're studying or you're organizing for some ministry or you're investing in yourself by reading. Good books, or 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 reading God's word, studying for you know mm-hmm. for uh, development of classes, whatever you're doing, working on stuff for the youth ministry, you know, uh, f- you know, preparing for meetings that we're going to be having with people in our church for future plans. So, but I agree with you on that. Like, it, there is there's got to be a higher degree of account of self accountability, yes, for your time, mm-hmm. so that stuff doesn't slip away. Like, hey, if you want to, if you really want to do this thing with excellence, you do have to say say, hey, I need to spend this much time working on. These teams that I manage, I got to spend this much time studying or or developing myself. I got to spend this much time. You know, you you have to actually be yeah. a lot more intentional with it, or time could just slip away. Right. I think it's a good opportunity to shift to full time non ministry people versus full time ministry people. I know we've talked about the full time ministry people a little bit, but I think you spoke really well about it's important for full time ministry people to sympathize with the. With the average guy who's working 40 50 hours a week like understanding that they can't do everything they don't they can't be at every church function or every event or be involved in every ministry i think that that's true i think that we spoke to that a little bit earlier but i think the reverse is true too i just want to speak to this because maybe you don't want to be the one to tout this but it's it's also true and that is that whereas you do have some pros there are this there is this sense that hey if you want to take a long lunch and go meet somebody you can or if you wanted to go golf on an afternoon, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You can shift your responsibilities and when you want to do, get, get done the things you need to. There's also unique challenges that come with it. And that is this expect, there's a lot of expectations that sometimes go with it. And some of them are healthy expectations and some of them are not healthy expectations that sometimes come from churches. Sure. And uh, I think both parties, full-time ministry people and non-ministry people could be, in a lot of churches, there's not enough sympathy for those two things. There's, there's different expectations. Um, and some of those things are, are things like, like if a pastor does go to golf on a Thursday afternoon, there is this mentality with some lay people, some people, you know, church members who are like, ah, well, how must be nice. Right. Right. But they don't see, you know, Friday night at 9 PM when that phone call comes in and he's got to get up and get ready and go to the hospital and he's going to be there till one in the morning, you know, or, you know, or or things like that. And then there's the, Paul talks about in, in. The New Testament, the, the the care of all the churches. Yeah, and there is this sense in which when you're in ministry, that weight really never leaves you, and sometimes carrying that can be heavy. Mm-hmm. There's not, in, in a real sense, it feels like there's never really an off switch. That you're always a little bit, you're always you're responsible for the spiritual well being of this group of people, and again, you have to trust God with it. But there is a real a realness to that weight. So while there might be a little bit more freedom in some cases with ministry people's schedules, there are other challenges that come with it. And I mean, how many of you want to bring your bring your uh, your income in front of the whole church once a year and let that be a, a topic of conversation among the people? That's difficult too. And, and much less, you know how many times I've seen pastors come in with a new truck and people are like, eh, hey, well, I guess we I guess we're paying them too much. Yeah. It's like that kind of stuff isn't helpful either. That's not being sympathetic. Like if you bought a new car and you brought it to church, all of the people at church would be like, oh dude, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Great for you. So let's not do, let's not do different Willie with, with ministry people. I think there's some unique challenges that go with full-time ministry as well, where everybody could be sympathetic all around. Sure, you know. And I have been in positions, I've not been uh, in the position my pastor's in exactly, but I've been in enough similar positions that I know what that weight feels like. Like the success of the church is in large part going to be due to the leadership or lack thereof that you are able to exhibit. Am I going to be able to lead these people well? And I've, again, we're, we're not saying it's all on you or that you're some Messiah or Savior of the church, but it does, I mean, things do rise and fall in leadership. And, you you know, there's that weight that comes with, hey, if this church is going to go forward, these people are looking to me to do that, mm-hmm. you know, or they're looking to us to do that. And whether we succeed or fail, whether or not is obviously first determined on whether or not we've been faithful to what God called us to do. Yeah. But, but there is that human expectation as well. There's that desire that every pastor has for their church to grow, to see souls saved, to see those who are saved developed and grow in the Lord. And dealing with the, that expectation on a week-to-week basis, uh, seeing results come in sometimes that are disappointing. Uh, that's not something that ever leaves you. It's not something that goes away and it's not something that you turn off when you're at home. Right. So I think there's a little bit of uh, of a balance there that can be struck when you have, when you are able to have full-time pastors. And by the way, praise God if you are, if you're yeah. one of those churches and you've got a lot, you've got good people on staff, praise God for that. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, he- uh, there's weight that goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So let's put it that way.
0: I think our church people here are really great about it in that they're very kind. They're very gracious. They're very, um, caring and compassionate toward the people who are on staff at the church, mm-hmm. and understanding of how our how our schedules are kind of weird sometimes. But they know like these guys aren't; they're not lackeys. They're not just sitting around. Yes, you know, playing yeah, you chess guys all day. You
1: guys have solid office hours every week, but an understanding that if you're not absolutely rigid with it, and you take a few liberties here and there, it's also true that. There's a whole lot of weekend and late night and early morning things that that sometimes hit ministry people. that That's not common for mm-hmm. normal people because
0: you're not going to be the one to get that call. You're just going to be at home with your family. When you're a plumber, okay, and you get to the weekend, you're just you. When you're a pastor and you live your life, you're always a pastor. Yes. that's That's true whether you're full-time or vocational.
1: Well, and there's a, if I could add this, Josh, there's a weight to, there's a weight to your testimony beyond just the people at the workplace. You're li- you're being a little bit in some ways evaluated on a, on an ongoing basis by the people you go to church with. And that's difficult at times. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, and I don't see a lot of this here at our church, but in some cases, the pastor's family even lives under that eye.
0: So oh, there's well, this- that's, that's common in a lot of extremely conservative yeah, fundamentalist that the, that, the, that,
1: the, that the pastor's family has something to live up to. And certainly scripture says that the, a pastor's family should be following after him, that he should have his household in order. But there's sometimes way too high of expectations, extremely high expectations put on the pastor's family. Yeah, But
0: you, the, a church doesn't ever hire the pastor's wife and people need to realize that. Hey, that's that's a fact, dude. That's a fact.
1: And look, I, since we're talking about it, I'll just throw this out there. You didn't get it when you hired your pastor. If you're not paying his wife a separate check, you didn't get a twofer. Yeah. Her and, job is to be his wife and to be, and, to, and to be a good steward of her resources. And by the way, she's not the associate pastor. She's not the de facto forced volunteer uh, organizer of, of all children's ministries or, or nursery. Like none of that should mm-hmm. be the case. If she has those giftings and she wants to use it in that way, then she should be, she should be encouraged to do so. But she should find some place to serve just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone else. Find a place for you to serve God that fits your gifting in the way that God's enabled you. But yeah, I completely agree with you. It's this idea that that, that somehow the church gets some sort of say-so over the pastor's wife. The only say-so that, that involves the pastor's wife is the same one that involves your butt. Mm-hmm. You're a member here too. And if 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 you wouldn't accept that kind of criticism of yourself. Certainly, don't be loving at the pastor's wife. That's just how I feel about it. I mean, if he's, it's it's one thing if they're, the pastor's family is a huge wreck and it and it undermines his ability to minister. Like all of First Timothy three, right? His 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 household's not doing well. But bes- beside that, yeah, the
0: the the criticism of of pastors' wives and pastors' families, that stuff's got to stop. And obviously, the pastor's wife should be pretty highly involved, probably one of the most highly involved members. But people need to remember. Yeah, as an example, she's a, she's a member of the church. If yeah, she's, well. an,
1: if anything, she's an example like her husband. She's she's following her after her husband, and because he's an example, he's leading them to be examples of what of what Christians should be. And if you're
0: listening but, and you're <laughs> pursuing a a ministry position, that's a question you should probably be asking: Is hey, you're do you guys view this as you're hiring me? And ask them what they think the relationship is supposed to be with the pastor and the pastor's wife to the church. And if they're, if they're thinking they're, they're about to get a new piano player and a new janitor <laughs> and all that jazz, you may want to pray about that for a minute before yep. you just accept it. Josh, I can tell you my wife was very leery when we first got married about us being involved in
1: vocational ministry ever. Like Not that, not that she didn't want to serve in church. She was very leery about us being involved in vocational ministry because of the way that, that, that churches treated her family when she was young. Like there was such a weight put on the pastor's wife and the pastor's family. It was very unhealthy. And these, these toxic relationships can go all ways, right? If I'm bivocational, I can have a bad attitude toward full-time people, or I can have a bad attitude toward people who don't serve as much right. as me. Full-time ministry people can have bad attitudes toward congregations because they don't serve in enough ministries so they don't work as hard as they do, or they don't, they're not as spiritual as them. And congregations can have very toxic attitudes towards ministers uh, and they don't and not know it's toxic. Let's be clear. They're not trying to be toxic. They think it's normal. They think it's normal to sit and ask how many hours the pastor was in the office this week. There are people <laughs> <laughs> there are people who think that that's okay. Hey, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the board of deacons, so it's my place to sit here and calculate how many hours the pastor was in the office. That's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. And, and so those, these, these toxic relationships can go everywhere, but if, if we're doing this biblically and we're doing this in a way that honors each other, we should give that give our elders that rule well double honor we should be sympathetic toward the necessities of their position and yes of course they should have discipleship as well and they should be accountable as well but there's there's unique challenges that go into, into all of these things and uh no matter what station you hold i think the the key is if you're doing it well there are things about it that are just difficult yeah and if we can acknowledge that within our brothers and sisters, I think we'll do a really good job showing grace. Absolutely. Uh, challenging one another where, need to, where we need to, but showing grace to one another and supporting one another in being faithful to what God's called us to.
0: Well, guys, I hope that answers your question. I know you guys have been asking about that several times now. Hope that's a benefit to you and a help. And Yeah, I'm not sure how much help we were, Josh. I don't know. We were <laughs> just really just talking. Yeah, we're uh, just,
1: this is actually stuff that we've, that you and I have talked about before in yeah. the past. Um, and so it kind of was worthwhile to turn on the mics and, and see if any things we've learned could be a benefit to the people who listen to, to this podcast. So how
0: about this? What about you guys? What do you think about some of the stuff we said? What are your thoughts? Hit us up on the socials and let us know. And then also let us know who you think would be a good guest to come on the Young Baptist podcast. That's a great idea. And who knows maybe we'll be able to get some of those guests yeah and when
1: you hit us up on socials or email if you want uh, let us know about somebody that we can pray for maybe that's you maybe that's somebody who's close to you somebody who's an MVP let's call them that let's just say it's somebody who they show up to church and they serve maybe they're a volunteer maybe they're a staff member but you just see the faithfulness that they've showed and the service that they've showed to God and to your local church body and uh, let us know we'd love to pray for them Absolutely. And and try to uh, ask God to encourage them and keep them faithful. There it is. There it is. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.